What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros, with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to episode 17 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I am Jeff Balky and uh, my partner across the way, uh, Jeff Blum. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, all the usual places. Of course, also on YouTube. Be sure and like and subscribe. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button to keep up with us. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Believe in Astros, B-L-E-A-V. And you can find me at Jeff Balky, J-E-F-F-B-A-L-K, and Blummer at uh, Blummer27. Send us your comments, questions. Let us uh, let us have it. Um, we're getting ready to go into the postseason. There's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about, including today. And uh, with that, Blummer, how's it going? You're off the road, finally. Your uh, oh, long road sentence is over for the season. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was nice to get back out on the road, obviously, and be around the ball club and have that kind of fun. But at the same time, once you get through that entire season and you've got the 81 uh, road games, you're more than happy to get back home. And uh, for obvious reasons, Houston is yeah. a great place to be. And this time of year is absolutely beautiful outside. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I'm happy to be out of the rain delays of Baltimore and, uh, you know, that stagnant atmosphere of Tampa Bay inside that dome. So very happy to be home. Yes. We should mention the fact that right now, uh, Florida is going through a massive tragedy with Hurricane Ian about to come on shore at, on the cusp of a Category 5, a little bit south of Tampa Bay. They won't get the worst of it. But, uh, you know, you and I were talking beforehand that, uh, you know, we, we have an interesting way of, of, of an interesting connection to this because after Hurricane Harvey, we ended up playing games at Tropicana Field. Um, <clears throat> I guess this, this is kind of our chance to help them in their circumstance. And I understand they've moved a bunch of their people here. Uh, they obviously the series coming up over the weekend. Uh, what have you heard about that? Well, I, I heard that they did a good job of getting all the families out of there. Number one, I think that's great on the organization's part uh, to be able to do that. But at the same time, I think they've done a good job of getting as many personnel within the Tampa Bay organization, basically on the team flight and get them out of there yeah. and uh, secure their properties. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's going it, to this is going to be a catastrophic event. And fortunately, they got ahead of it a little bit and they're able to move some of the personnel out of there. I know that, uh, you know, they travel with their broadcast crew. So, of course, they're going to have Dwayne Stats, Brian Anderson and their radio crew with them. But I've also heard that they're traveling their pre and post crew, which mm. is something that... Uh, was unique to our situation when we had to go to Tampa. We did we weren't able to travel our pre and post, so Julia and I were actually carried pre and post in Tampa Bay. But the you know they accommodated for us, and I know that Minute Maid Park is going to accommodate them also. So good move by the Astros, and I'm sure that once we we understand what's what's actually happening after this storm passes, I'm sure that the Astros Foundation is going to reach out and uh, yeah. much like Major League Baseball, try and help these teams out. Yeah, well, I mean, look, we're we're all on the Gulf Coast. Um, we're all subject to the same uh, laws of nature, and um, you know that includes hurricanes. Fortunately for us, our hurricane season is essentially over for Texas. We've got beautiful weather here, so at least we could offer that. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not a ton of comfort, but it's something. Um, let's talk, just before we get too deep into it, I just kept thinking, look, the fastest they could gas up the plane and get people out of Baltimore, the better. 
That was one of the weirdest <laughs> series. I mean, first, you have two games where the Astros can't score a run, and then they explode for 11 runs in a back and forth that I'm not sure we've seen really the likes of <laughs> maybe since that 2017 Dodgers World Series game. Yeah. And then they end up, you know, winning in uh, extra innings, and they're fine. I mean, what a series. That was one of the craziest series I've ever seen. What about you? What did you think? No, it was absolutely incredible. You know, and we always say it in the game. You hang around this game long enough, you're going to see something you've never seen before. <laughs> yeah. And I've never played in a series like this. I've never seen a series like this until we actually had a chance to call it. Because Bradish and Kramer for, you know, it sounds like a law firm that went out there and just completely <laughs> wiped out the Astros offense. <laughs> right. And the first two games, it, you know, the first time they've been back-to-back shut out, you know, since last season. And right. Then they show up on uh, the third game of the series, and all of a sudden, like you said, you know, we always look at fan graphs or uh, baseball mm-hmm. savant, and they have the win probability going as the yeah, game oh, goes. Oh, it's a super roller coaster. It was unbelievable. I mean, if that actually was a roller coaster, I don't think anybody would ride on it because of, <laughs> out of fear. Right. You know, so it, exactly. it was kind of nice that they ended up on top. Right. But then you have the rain delay, you have the Rugnet Odor admiring a base hit kind of thing that led to, you know, a tie ball game, extra innings, and all five hours later, we eventually got on that plane. Yeah. I mean, I never want to see Rugnet Odor again. Like that Nobody guy is, yeah. that guy is a thorn. <laughs> he is, I mean, we, a friend of mine and I were talking about the other day, like there are just certain guys that just, you know, have the oh, number man. of your team, you know, and Odor just appears to be one of those guys. Although the funniest moment of Odor is I said something on Twitter about uh, never wanting to see Odor again. And my wife, who didn't know who he was, just said, Who's what are you? What odor are you talking about? You can't see an odor, <laughs> exactly. And I was like, I was like, All right, then let me explain like, this. No, before no this is that odor that this is that this odor is, that lingers. This is the okay? one that really sticks with you. You don't want yeah. to deal with this. So the Astros, <laughs> they got uh, seven games left, they need five and two to win 107, six and one, uh, to beat that. Uh, six and one or better to beat that. <clears throat> At this point, I think it's, I don't know if it's likely they reach a 107, but regardless of the fact they're going to be, it's going to be one of the best records in the history of the ball club, uh, already over 100 wins. But how do you balance out that desire with keeping guys healthy? I mean, we saw last night with Jordan twisting that ankle at home plate. And I felt like <laughs> my, uh, my buddy Frank texted me <clears throat> and was like, he said, I almost passed out when, when uh, Jordan rolled his ankle. Yeah, how um, many people ran to the defibrillator after that? Exactly. We I know. Like, Wait, no, not Jordan. Like, not Jordan. Um, so how do you balance? I mean, obviously the Astros, at this point, yeah. they've got their magic numbers one to clinch the A. I think it's pretty clear that's going to happen maybe tonight. But how do you balance that health versus wanting to play well going into the postseason? You don't want to necessarily go into the postseason on a losing streak, but also you don't want to go into the postseason without your best player. So what do you do about that? You know what? It's kind of interesting because you do have five days between the end of the season and that first game of the American League Division Series. And that's where I think the issue is created because as a manager and as a player, you're like, man, I'll I'll just go 
you know, blow it out for the last, you know, six, right. seven games of the season and know that I've got five days off. So why not go do that and put up my numbers? Go go after that 107, 108 wins and set the franchise records. You know, that's right. where the enticement is there. But at the same time, you have to be a little measured about it because you have freak things that happen in baseball. It's just crazy that Jordan had a base hit the other way. A non, but how often do we hear it in the NFL? A non-contact injury. Those are the ones that freak you out yeah. because there's no excuse for it. It's just a mishap. And you saw that ankle twist and you're going, oh, dear God. And he goes limping Mm-mm. to first. Mm-mm. He walks it off and you're like, oh, okay. Has the second at bat. And then you're, all of a sudden he disappears and that just sets everybody off again. You're like, oh, my gosh, what happened? But I think that it, you do have to measure it a little bit. You want these guys to get their numbers. But at the same time, you have to talk to the players, say, be smart about how you play. I know you want to go hard, but let's temper that idea a little bit. Maybe not go 150 miles an hour down first base or diving headfirst into everything. Let's be a little measured on how we go out there. But then as a coaching staff, too, you've got to be a little more uh, aware and cognizant of how do I protect these guys and make sure that they are healthy going into that postseason. Yeah, and also running down the first baseline is a good one. you know, nobody wants to see that guy grab the back of his his hamstring, right? I mean, it feels like for a number of years, Houston was like the hamstring injury capital of the world. Like every team, like the Texans had guys with hamstring problems, the Astros had guys, the Rockets had guys, you know, so that you don't, the, the biggest thing to me with these injuries is you don't want, obviously you don't want a catastrophic injury. Nobody wants any of that. But you also don't want any injuries that have the potential to linger. Hamstrings, high ankle sprains, you know, stuff like that. Those are the kind of things that they, they'll stick with you. Back stiffness, or should I say discomfort? That's <laughs> depending on depending on everything yeah. is discomfort. Look, watching Jordan twist his ankle was discomfort, right? And yeah, I was uh, gonna say, is there fan discomfort we can talk about? You know, just the I emotional mean, discomfort that was. I mean, it was and, and the funny thing is I didn't see it when it happened. I was actually sitting outside in this in this weather, and I was running it on the DVR uh, so that I could run back and and skip commercials. No offense, AT and T Southwest, um, <clears throat> but I was, uh, I, you know, so my I just started getting text messages like immediately, like Jordan rolled his ankle. I'm like, oh god, like, and then my first thought is, of course, being being like most fans, a little bit funny about the a little bit superstitious i immediately thought well we can't, i can't eat outside ever again like that's the end of that <laughs> i will never be able to sit outside and eat ever yep. again in in the history of time because that means that fault, every time it, exactly <laughs> it's so ridiculous it's but i i do think that uh you know the main thing for the astros has got to be health at this point above all else Obviously, there are guys who want to get there. I mean, Kyle Tucker's on the verge of a, a 30-30 year. You know, I mean, he's he's what is it five steals away? I think from from getting yeah, to thirty he's five steals. steals now, and he's yeah. and he's just one home run from thirty. You feel like he's probably going to get that, but steals like all I can tell him is, can he put his entire body in one of those oven mitts? Like, I mean, you have the oven <laughs> mitt to protect your hand. Can you just can he just put on like a neoprene padded suit if he's going to steal? Because Amen. Don't hurt yourself, man. Dude, I'm, I'm like, whatever it takes, I'm with you on that. Protect these guys a little bit. But that's the other thing that we didn't talk about, knowing mm. that these guys are approaching, you know, career numbers. Yeah. You know, Kyle Tucker is a guy who wants a big contract who 
desperately needs a big contract because I feel he's worthy of it. Yeah. And now he's on the precipice of getting to that 30-30 plateau. Yeah. And, you know, that's a big deal. He's going to end yes. up being a 30-100-plus RBI type guy who, who has the potential <clears throat> to be a gold glove outfielder on top of yeah. it. And, oh, by the way, he'll steal you 20 bags a year and do it at a, at a high rate, too. He's not a guy that goes out there and gets caught very often. No. So... You want those guys to get it. Altuve hitting two home runs. Now he's oh. at 28. He's almost a 30 home run guy. It's I know. And he's going to hit 300 again for the first time in a long time, too. So, yeah. you know, these guys are approaching. I think Yuli's a couple doubles away from 40. Alex Bregman's a couple doubles away from 40. These guys are putting up career numbers. Yeah. But you do have to say, go get them. <laughs> But if, you know, at the same time, we're going to be giving you days off here and there, and if we have yeah. blowouts again, we may sneak you out of the lineup and just you right. know, kind of cut down on the abs and limit the exposure. Because, like you said, if you do get that tight hamstring going into October, you're playing in some cold, wet, right. ugly weather That's a outdoors. Good point. You don't want to be trying to protect that and right. play for a championship. That's tough. No, that's a really good point. Uh, the cold weather, especially this year, because everything's been pushed back. Uh, yeah, there, right. I mean, the game seven, game seven this year is potentially in November of the World Series. We're talking November third for the mm -hmm. end of the World Series. I mean, Thanksgiving is three weeks from that. For the <laughs> God's sake, I mean that's insane. So yeah, there are a lot of guys that are going to have to be. Uh, cautious about that, but the, the the record numbers are are really a big deal. Look, Kyle Tucker, <clears throat> he goes under the radar a lot because mm -hmm. because he is an understated guy and because he is you know. But that's a guy that absolutely is in the market for a big contract. And Jose Altuve, I don't know what else can we say about this guy. He just keeps producing like year after year after year. It doesn't matter. Like, and obviously he's getting older, so there are certain things his steal numbers are down, things like that. But I mean, good lord, his his like numbers in terms of just average home runs. And this guy, everybody's like, oh, he's off to a slow start. It must be, you know, he must be winding down. <laughs> it's like this dude can this dude <clears throat> can get ten hits in two days, man. <laughs> and never mind the fact that his defense is still great at second base. Yeah. He still plays a great second base. Um, you know, you just can't say anything other uh, about him other than the fact that he's one of the greatest Astros of all time. No, he, uh, he, he he's already cemented himself that. into. Yeah, no, it, it might be Biggio. I love Lance Berkman and some of these guys, mm -hmm. but as far as the offensive side, it may go. You know, depending on how you look at it, with yeah, home yeah. runs, baggy obviously, but the hits, yeah. Bige. And right. then it's going to be Jose Altuve, but the way yeah. he's playing, he may he may vault himself because he's a combination. He's a little bit of a hybrid of both now. He is where he's a high average, high high slug guy, and I think he might have eighteen stolen bases if I'm not. Is you know, he if have, I, if is he have wrong, that many? I wow. think so. So he might actually be a twenty twenty guy by the end of it too. And the Astros could have two twenty twenty guys between Tucker and wow. uh, Altuve. And we just saw Jeremy Pena put up his 20th home run. These right. guys are going and getting it, and they're getting this offense is getting hot at the right time, which I It love. sure is. Which is exactly, by the way, what Blumsterdama said, not but a few weeks ago. <laughs> That's my, it's my new nickname for you from now on because you seem to be uh, dead on accurate with these things. So let's talk first, let's hit a little bit. We, I wanted to really talk a little bit about what the rosters are going to shape up like as we get into the playoffs. We're getting close to that time, about a week away. Teams can carry 26 players. Are they allowed? This is a, this is a question somebody asked me the other day, and I, I, I didn't honestly know the answer. I tried to look it up. 
are they they're allowed to keep guys with them like in the dugout and stuff like that but they're just yeah. they're just inactive correct I believe I believe it's similar to the covid year and I've heard we actually had James click on I believe Saturday in Baltimore mm-hmm. and he kind of mentioned to the fact that when you do and this makes sense too just because of the logistics of of a postseason yeah it's a taxi squad you know right. that term really popped up in that COVID year where you it travel did. with a taxi squad to protect in, in case infection but now you have the taxi squad that can travel with you work out stay in shape <clears throat> because if there's an injury you pull a guy off the taxi squad, but then if you move on to the championship series, you maybe you adjust your roster, and those guys are fresh yeah. and ready, and they've been in that environment, and you don't have to pluck them from West Palm yeah. Beach where they may be working out. So, I yes, there's a there's a taxi squad, but they're also going to reduce that roster to 26 as opposed to the 28 that we're playing with right. in September. Right. So, th- so by my mind, that means I know it's 13 pitchers, 13 position players. Uh, so I think it's a pretty easy one when it comes to the the you know play non pitching staff. I mean we this you yep. know the starters, which is Yuli and Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena, Alex Bregman, Martin Maldonado, uh, and in the outfield Kyle Tucker, Chaz McCormick, and I think Jordan Alvarez and Aledmus Diaz will probably have split time at left field DH. Mm-hmm. Then your bench is Christian Vasquez, Mauricio Dubon, Trey Mancini, and I assume at this point David Hensley has got to be your well, last guy on the bench, right? Yeah, that's that's the interesting part. Is it going to be a guy like David Hensley because this guy is right. surging right now? We he just is. saw him hit his first big league home run. While <laughs> yep. guys are going for milestone numbers, yeah. there's a guy trying to just get numbers, but also yes. be on a playoff roster. That could be a really good story in David Hensley. And what's unique about him? is he, he's a shortstop. And I've always been a big believer that athletes play shortstop, so you can move him to second base, third yeah. base. I'm sure you could throw him at first base and give him a glove if you had to. I'm talking desperation. I'm not right, talking right, right, necessity. Right. I'm talking complete desperation where a couple of guys fall out with injury or whatever. You could put him in left field. You can put him in right field. But right. he puts together such a good at bat that I think he does need some consideration possibly to be on that uh, playoff roster if it's not if it's not a pinch hit situation right. or a double switch or you know come in against a matchup that really fits him but he showed some pop yesterday but the at bats for me is what's kind of maybe warranting him maybe yeah. making an appearance on that roster. Well, I think the other thing too is like you said, versatility is a hugely important part of doing you yeah, get Diaz down and into Dubon those. are huge, yeah. Right, Diaz, Dubon, and you look at Hensley, those three guys can play almost anywhere on the field. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've got Mancini who can play first base and left field as well. And he and he's your threat off the bench, you know, a yeah. power threat. You need that guy. They don't have – the one thing they are lacking is that left-handed power bat. That's true. But if you have if you have a guy that you can bring in off the bench that, you, you, that a pitcher says, if I make a mistake, it's going to get hammered 400 feet, right. that's what I mean by a threat guy. And he is definitely that threat guy. Absolutely. And and the good thing, too, is Vasquez is a, a very good hitter and a unique kind of hitter in that he goes oh. the opposite way a lot. Um, <clears throat> so he's, he's a guy that you, too. he yeah, very smart and he's a really good defensive catcher. So if you mm-hmm. do bring him in to pinch hit, he can take over and you're not worried about any drop off like uh, you're not worried about, oh, well, this guy's mainly a hitter. We don't really want him behind the plate catching anybody. Um, I felt like in some ways, even though he had a good arm, you did feel that way earlier in the season with Jason Castro. He's a guy that, you know, could give you some, some at bats, but 
wasn't exactly the the guy that you wanted managing your pitchers, but both Vasquez and Maldonado obviously can manage guys. I think it's going to be really. I think really that thirteenth spot is going to be the interesting one. Who they're going to mm-hmm. choose for that? It feels like David Hensley right now, but I mean we don't know right well, now. That could change. Yeah, remember in years past they also used to have that speed guy. You know, it was a Jose right Siri. like Miles Straw a, or yeah Jose Siri, uh, Derek Fisher, Derek know, Fisher. They, they right. had that burner that they could pinch run and fly around the bases. That's the only thing. I don't know who that guy is or if yeah. they have somebody waiting in the wings maybe, but. <laughs> That might, you know, is it Mauricio Dubon? I don't know. Right. You know, that's, He's pretty that's quick. the interesting thing. That is a really good point. I had not thought about the speed guy, but look, that made a huge difference. Derek Fisher made a, I mean, it was a big deal. A couple of times, yeah. A couple of times having that speed on the base path. So, yeah, that's that's definitely a good point. Well, let's talk a little bit about the pitching rotation because this is really where it gets much more interesting. With 13 pitchers, um, the starters, they're, I think they're pretty much set. If you go with four, it's going to be Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, and Lance McCullers Jr. In whatever order you place those last two guys. Um, I completely agree. I think those four have to be your starters. They're the obvious ones. You may not even start a guy in the fourth game if you get to that. You may put two starters out there because the long relief slash piggyback guys are Jose Urquidy and Luis Garcia. I mean... <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable. I mean, it's an, like you said it last podcast, it's an embarrassment of riches when it you is. sit in this room and you, I mean, they're going to have to make tough decisions, but you could you imagine being James Click and Josh Miller, the pitching coach for the Astros, and kind of looking at each other going, hee, 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 we have Garcia waiting over here. You know? Right. We don't even need him in our rotation in the playoffs. Exactly. No, and, and I think those two guys, I, I do think Garcia makes it now that, especially now that he's been warming up to throw out of the bullpen, they've obviously tr- given him an opportunity there. I mean, that's got to be, he's got to make the playoff roster for that reason alone, right? Well, and I think what we saw yesterday, you know, he had a great start, but if but if I'm looking at Luis Garcia in that bullpen role, and obviously he's he's young, He's he's extremely good, but I also think mm-hmm. like what you just said there about him being uh, pliable enough to go out in that bullpen and say, yes, right. I will do whatever's best for this organization and team to help us win. And obviously I want to be in the playoffs. So going to the bullpen is a logical uh, move for him. But I love the fact in that start that we saw last night, mm-hmm. that dude was touching 97. And I if know. I give Luis Garcia one inning or two innings, he'll be able to maintain 97. Yeah. And then that makes that cutter that much nastier. That I mean, that could be a pretty pretty nasty secret weapon out of that bullpen. Yeah. I think, look, if they make it to the World Series too, he can just confuse them with his with his thing on the mound where he's like doing his oh, yeah. rock and like just just he, get he them. goes from the cha-cha-cha to the cha-cha and you're like, oh shoot, <laughs> just, here it comes. Just you know? get him, just, just use him to like sort of mesmerize them, you know, just ah! Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like before you know it, they don't even know what they're doing. But I do think the interesting thing about him, too, is the potential, not maybe in the ALDS, but in if you get to the ALCS, the potential for him, yes. you know, starting a game and pitching three, four innings and then piggybacking him. Then I think it's obvious that he's he's a good guy to have in there. And same thing with Jose Urquidy. These are two guys you can just they're like half starters. Well, I mean, isn't isn't that the worry of most teams that are going to be playing in those ch- uh, championship series and yeah. World Series is the fact that the Astros have that kind of depth and right. the ALDS for those you know that are listening, it's a five game series, best yeah. three out of five, and with the pitching staff that the Astros have, it may be Verlander, McCullers, Framber Valdez. Let's move on to the championship series, right? But the way that the scheduling is set up, 
is that you have that day off early in the first two games, but then right. you go three, four, five, you know, I think it's four, five, six, seven in con- in consecutive order. Right. That's where the Astros depth might actually overwhelm the opposing team because they don't right. have that kind of depth. And if they don't, you're going to see a bullpen game or you're going to see a short start and then the bullpen get abused. And that'll set up beautifully for the next game because the Astros will continue to throw guys out there for five and six innings and they'll be fresh rested and their bullpen mm-hmm. will be used appropriately. Well, and I think that's, and we'll, we'll get to the bullpen names here in a second, but I think another thing that you, a really good point you bring up here too, is that they're going to be able to throw guys out there maybe in games five and six who've not pitched yet. <laughs> which is a completely yeah. different deal because like that's I mean obviously the one thing they talk about in baseball is a third time through a rotation right so yeah. if you want to try to prevent that from happening the Astros pitching depth will certainly allow them to do that so that they have you know relievers that are going out there for an inning or a couple innings here and there by the time they get to the end of the series this might be the first time a guy's seeing you know a, yeah. a Ryan Stanek or a Brian Abreu or something like that well, you talk about you know the the third time through the orders where everybody goes, oh, that's just the third time for a hitter to, to recognize a pitcher right. and make adjustments. But <laughs> if you get into that championship series and you have a Luis Garcia go two times through the order, which is maybe five mm-hmm. innings, and then you have Urquidy go the third time through the order, that gets you into this into the sixth and seventh innings, and then all of a sudden it's just it's close out from there. That's where I think right. the benefit of having an Urquidy or Garcia, Hunter Brown. Some guys mm-hmm. that have some length on them that can cover that, that third time through the order. Right. That's what could be interesting if Dusty and Josh Miller decide to use it that way. Right. So let's talk. So that would leave us with with those four starters plus the two piggyback long reliever guys. That leaves mm-hmm. us with seven relief spots. So it's obviously we're obvious Ryan Presley, Ryan Stanek, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero are pretty much the obvious guys. I think Hector Neris is going to definitely be an obvious guy fifth. Then you've got Phil Maton, Will Smith, and then Hunter Brown. And that's going to be the big one. Now, my feeling is that they're going to go with Maton and Smith. I think they're going to go with Smith simply because they don't have any lefties. They don't have anybody that throws left uh, out, you know, other than Framber Valdez, right? Mm -hmm. So you almost feel like that because Dusty is an old school traditionalist kind of guy, he likes to go lefty on lefty sometimes. That's a big point. Yep. And I also think there's a loyalty factor. You know, a guy like Maton has been like, I would love to see Hunter Brown in the postseason. I think most fans would love to see Hunter Brown in the postseason. But you kind of wonder, are they going to do that with a rookie? Um, are they going to put him in high leverage situations, put him under that pressure? You know, Jeremy Pena talked about how last year he was on the taxi squad and got to be around the guys in the postseason, but didn't actually play and what a huge factor that was for him. I wonder if they're not going to treat Hunter Brown with that, despite the fact that the guy still, I mean, his stuff is electric. He's ridiculous. Um, I don't know. What, what's your take on all that? Well, it, it, that's that's what's the beauty of having a podcast like this and being <laughs> able to speculate a little bit is that you can use that gut and have some fun with it and yeah. talk it out. So your gut is put Hunter Brown in there because he throws 97, 98. And we saw right. a slider last night at 94 that was absolutely ludicrous. That slider so, was insane. <laughs> that yeah, was insane. Uh, it, yeah, Zach Davies, fastball, the starter for the Arizona Diamondbacks, averaging 89, and, and Hunter Brown on a slider at 94 gives you an idea how good he is. But, wow. you know, so that stuff plays, and like you said, it's unproven. 
at, at, the, at the playoff level. It's proven in the regular season. He's going to have he's going to have a successful career because of the stuff he has. Then you look at Will Smith, and like you said about Dusty being old school, he understands. He watched Will Smith come out of that Braves bullpen and shut them down consistently in the postseason. So that right. sticks in, in Dusty's mind and says, well, we've got that guy now. And he's left-handed. So he will match up nicely against some of those guys. And I believe... Since he's become an Astro, he has around a 2.6, 2.7 ERA. Yeah, he's been if good. you want to narrow it down to that, and then you add on to the postseason, so that gives him some hope. Phil Maton, maybe not having the best season like we saw right. last year. There's been he's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride too, but what he did in the postseason, especially in the World Series, right. is going to carry some weight to it because he's pitched under those circumstances. So exactly. that's where it gets kind of interesting. I just you know I mean it would be so much fun. Uh, to see Hunter Brown in there, uh, I think it would be, you know, it, I think it would be fun to see him. But, you know, my like we're talking about our guts here. My gut tells mm-hmm. me that the Astros don't do that just simply because they want to make. Well, let's put it this way: if there's any series they're going to do it in, it's going to be the ALDS because we've got the yeah. lowest chance of True. of problem of failure or anything like that. It's the lowest pressure, and also look. I don't think it's going to happen to Hunter Brown, but there is a chance you put him in there, he implodes, and it impacts him. You know, it mm-hmm. lingers. Um, I don't think it'll happen to him. He does the the stuff yeah. he has, like you said, is so good. But all these things are playing. I, let's just put it this way: I don't want to be the guy that makes that decision. You're not going to make yeah. anybody happy, uh, no matter what you choose. Um, yeah. No matter what happens, it's going to be weird for somebody. No, it is going to be weird for somebody, but there's a couple of things. Number one, gut feeling. I want to see Hunter Brown pitch with some uh, adrenaline because <laughs> who knows totally. Who knows the velocity he'll get to. Right. He may be pumping 100 consistently because that heart rate's up and he's excited. Hundo. Number, yeah, hundo. <laughs> and number two, I'm with you. No matter who they put on that roster, and I said it last night during our broadcast, If no mm-hmm. matter what, if it's a division series, championship, world series, the 13 pitchers that the Astros are going to put on that roster yeah. are going to be pretty damn good. And I'm going to be comfortable yep. with it. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, I saw somebody the other day, on uh, the MLB network talking about how the Astros have really the best, uh, pitching staff in baseball. And it's, and it's, he said, it's not really even close. Um, <laughs> there are guys that have great starting lineups. There are some really deep bullpens that exist out there. But in terms of putting it all together, in terms of starters, relievers, it's it, and frankly, I I'd be willing to argue that it's the best pitching staff the Astros have ever had. I cannot recall a time. It's almost there. You're right. It's it's very close. I cannot recall a time when they had this level of depth and quality from the a starter all the way to the last guy on the bench relief out of the pen. Yeah. Cause we, I mean, what was it? 2018, you know, it was mm-hmm. uh, Verlander, Cole, Morton, McCullers, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, you, ha- you had staffs like that, but like, wh- I think what you're trying to get to is all the way through the rotation and then all the way through the bullpen right. is where That's you're it. talking about. That's what's <clears throat> amazing is that you've married the great rotation with the great bullpen. Yeah. And it's just been a match made in heaven and they are all, they're on the edge of, uh, becoming not just the best pitching team in all of baseball, which we we already recognize, mm-hmm. but putting them up against you know those mid '80s pitching staffs for the mm-hmm. Houston Astros that we all talk about, you know, right. the Nolan Ryan's and the Bob Mike Neppers Scott, Mike Scott. I mean, the, the, the Phil Necro, just yeah, and the way they were able to go out there and close games out, they were they were very good pitching staffs. 
and they were pitching in the Astrodome. I don't want to discount, right? You know, pitching there, but they had a very pitcher-friendly environment. But the Astros are so good at their pitching that they yeah. turned Minute Maid Park into a great pitcher's ballpark. That's saying that really is saying something, isn't it? My, uh, it's yeah. funny. My favorite Jim Deshays of anything. It's great uh, color commentator, and uh, yes. when he when he finished and uh, playing baseball, but I loved. <laughs> one of the best phrases was when Milo was still calling games. Rest in peace, Milo Hamilton, one of the voices of my youth. Uh, when Milo was still co- calling games, he would he would Deshays would say something, and one of his he almost always responded back, "That's right, Jimmy D." <laughs> every time, <laughs> that's right, Jimmy D. Every time, every time, like man, it. yeah, it's right every time. That's right, Jimmy D. That yeah, I just. I think the Astros pitching is really what's going to carry them. Uh, mm-hmm. I really think uh, they're pitching in their defense, I should say. And by the way, True. these two things go hand in hand. They have pitchers out there who are willing to throw in the strike zone because they know they've got guys behind them who are going to back them up. Jeremy Pena with it, like a, yet another great play last night. I mean, the guy is, he, to me, defensively, they really haven't lost anything from Carlos no. Correa. I mean, obviously, we've seen an offensive drop off by a little, but uh, certainly not anything that that's terrible for them. But man, as far as defense goes, forget it. It's one of the just so good. No, he he's leading all uh, major league shortstop in that DRS, the defensive run right. saved. I think it was at eighteen, but he does such a good job. And he did make an error last night, but at the yeah. same time, I, I love the fact that he's not the guy that makes the error and just kind of pouts, hangs his head, and says, no. "Oh my gosh, I hope they don't hit me another one." He's the he's the other guy. He's so, the guy that spikes his glove, goes over to shortstop, and yells at the pitcher, "Get me another one!" And you saw it the other day, like you're talking about. <clears throat> He lays out to his right, makes a great play, and almost turns a miraculous double play. Almost, on a yeah, baseball. came so close. And and Bregman, that's I feel like he and Bregman are cut from the same cloth with that. Yeah. You see, when Bregman messes up, he is oh, you can you, his eyes get huge. He looks like he's ready to murder somebody out there, yep. and like he's waiting for another baseball. Like it's just those. I, I I honestly I've always found that to be a really fascinating attitude, and it's something that not every baseball player has. Um, You're it's right. not. Any athlete has that that ability to like turn your anger at yourself, your frustration, and all that other stuff into the motivation to be better the next time around. Um, mm-hmm. That's something I feel like the Astros have in spades. I mean, they really do oh, have yeah. a lot of guys who have that sort of like, you know, they they don't get mad, they get even. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. Oh yeah. Well, if, if they didn't have that, if they didn't have that internal mechanism that allowed them to turn the page so quick, yeah. that Baltimore series would have been a disaster of a four-game sweep. They Man. got abused for two games, and they showed up on the on Saturday and said, "You know what? We're not going to let this happen today." And they continued to fight. That's why it was a roller coaster game that they ended up winning. Yeah, it does really feel like, and we've talked about this before, that the Astros, when they want to, have the ability just to bear down and and just blow people out. I mean, they really, and and that's not to say anything that there there aren't good team, other good teams out there and stuff like that. There clearly are, yeah. and it's going to be a tough playoffs for sure, um, regardless of who they have to face. But they they just have another gear. It seems like that they're like uh, they don't really tighten up in the same way that teams tighten them. And some of that, I guess, has got to be attributed to experience. I mean, they've been doing this year after year now for six seasons, really, with some of these mm-hmm. guys. Um, before we go, 
when you when when you're getting ready for a postseason like this, if you're a player, do you do anything really differently? Do you do you uh, approach it any differently? Or are you just like, no, this is just another game, just like a regular season? What what is sort of your mindset as you're getting closer to that? Well, there's a certain excitement level that that is there, and you start to you know. I don't know if it's a checklist or what it is, but you start to forget about the aches and pains of the season because the second season starts and the adrenaline takes over and some of that pain subsides and the focus becomes a little bit more narrow. And I think one, you know, that first time in the in the postseason, you may be a little jittery, high heart mm-hmm. rate, breathing a little bit heavier, but the focus starts to narrow a little bit. And I think that these guys have enough experience like you're talking about that they, they know how to do it. They don't panic. And that's probably the yeah. one big thing for this Astros team is that I've seen with them, especially going back to 2017 even, they don't panic. For whatever reason, they believe in the guy on their right. They believe in that guy on their left. And they're like, if I don't get it done, I know my boy is going to pick me up and get it done. So that's what creates that no panic. And I love that fact. But these guys are just going to continue to work, continue to maintain, but they're going to maybe focus a little bit more on – preparation and i think that's where they're a little bit different is you know you've got the analytic department sending information down you've got video crews that are giving you the appropriate video to watch and then it's up to the hitting coaches the pitching coaches to develop these game plans and really prepare to go out there because i feel at this level no matter if football basketball hockey whatever it is if you're not prepared for situations you are going to panic and the way you eliminate panic is being prepared for all situations and seeing right. it before it happens. And that's what the Astros do very good is they prepare and they prepare extremely well and they adjust in game extremely well. Those guys are always talking to each right. other. And that I'm a little jealous of that fact because that's what I miss is some of that competitive knowledge that these guys are sharing. That's where these guys separate themselves. Yeah, I think you make a good point about being prepared. Emmett Smith, I always remember, he had a line about uh, somebody was interviewing him and asking why it is that athletes win on Dancing with the Stars. And he said it's because... He said, it's because we know how to practice. He said, most people, they practice until they get something right. He said, we practice until we can't do it wrong. And I think that's, that's the difference. Quote. It's the difference between a, a professional and an, and an amateur, really, is the because yeah. you have the time to spend to hone that. And like, you know, the, the ability to like not only go through it physically, but mentally, like hundreds and hundreds of times that repetition. It's like the what is it? The 10,000 hours or whatever it yeah, is to be an expert. Well, yeah. Right. And so you figure that's got to be that that preparation is such a huge part of this. And now with all of the video that they have and all the digital technology, it must be even I mean, you, you've, you've got to have a, a pretty uh, good baseball mind to absorb all of that information. <laughs> hold on to it. Yeah. But the fact that they've been going through this now for years is it's just it's got to be a big help. No, the the information is a huge help, and uh, these guys know how to. Like you said, they've been doing it for so long that they know how to absorb it. And another thing is too, you know this as well as studying in high school. What mm-hmm. classes did you do good in? The ones you enjoyed. <laughs> they enjoy right. studying for baseball. Yes. They enjoy playing baseball, so they're going to absorb as much information they can Absolutely. to go out there and succeed. I can tell you, I did not enjoy math, and my grades reflected it. That makes I, two of us. I had no desire to. I like. I I actually. All right, I'll share this before we go. When I was in <laughs> when I was in algebra class, I think it was a freshman in high school. I had a teacher, Mrs. Glandorf. If she's still out there, God God bless her. I told her 
that I would never use algebra in my daily life <laughs> ever, ever. I told her, this, you know, like, and she's like, how do you know you won't use it? I said, because I will not do it simply to spite you. That's what nope. I, as I left at the end, <laughs> because that. she was so mean. I was like, I will not do it. And, and listen, I'm not generally a spiteful person, but I have kept that promise. I still have <laughs> never done algebra in my daily life. As, and, and honestly, I'm not real proud of it. I'm not real proud of it, but, uh, but it is something I've got to stick with now. Too old to let it go. Um, I know. And, uh, but you isn't, know. It, isn't it crazy that we, we were not good at math, yet we're covering sports that deal right. with nothing but numbers? But I mean, see, that's, what, that's what makes me laugh. It's funny, too, because statistics I was always good at. It was always, I didn't yeah. want to know the, like, I can, I can read and understand the math. I just don't want to have to do it. Like, when they're like, show the your work. I'm like, of it, yeah. there was a great Far Side cartoon years ago that said that on one side had this massive formula of the board. And then on the other side had like a simple answer. And in the middle, it just said, and then a miracle occurs. <laughs> I always feel like <laughs> that's how I feel about math. It's like, and yep. then a miracle occurs. I don't know what happened. This is, I know the answer is this. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, everybody. Blummer, you got any final thoughts before the uh, second uh, game of uh, against Arizona Diamondbacks tonight? No, tonight's going to be awesome. Zach Gallen, Justin Verlander. Right. I mean, get your popcorn, buckle up. It's it's either going to be an unbelievable pitching matchup or it's just going to be this explosion <laughs> of runs. I hope it's an explosion of runs for the Astros and Verlander Same. just con- puts his name in in stone for that Cy Young. Man, he is. If I I feel like he's got it sewn up, but if tonight he comes out and you know Coffee he wants shoves. it. You know yeah. he wants it too. You know that he just wants to come out and bury whoever it is just just for that. You can he he's that guy for sure, yeah. right? He is absolutely no, that guy. We talked about it with Peña and Bregman. Verlander's another one of those guys. Oh yeah, I would never ever want to cross Verlander when it came to baseball. Like I would assume <laughs> no. that he like if I ever if you ever had a problem with Verlander, I would feel like for the rest of my life the times that I faced him it was going to be a personal. He was just going to like every pitch was just going to be brutal. I would just be yeah. like it's nice to meet you Mr. Verlander. <laughs> it's like yeah, every just treat me like a normal hitter. Just don't exactly. take, take life out on me, man. Just don't ruin me. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Blumberg, thanks so much. Uh, We're just, again, uh, please send us your questions. We have loads of stuff coming. The playoffs are coming, so we're really going to be hitting it hard, obviously. I want you to join us. Give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Uh, Make sure you tune in. Send this out to all your friends. Tell them what a great couple of dudes we are and tell them how awesome this podcast is. And, uh, you know, we'll give you our thanks. You won't be lying. No, you won't be lying. It's the truth. That's absolute truth. All right, Blummer, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. Go Astros. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.